Good day. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you to come have your way in this place, in our hearts and minds, and to all those who will hear this message everywhere. We just pray for your precious anointing, your sweet, sweet spirit, your power at work in us. We just ask that you just have your way. Take this meeting anyway, this message anyway you want it to go. Do your will, Lord. And do not let me get in the way. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk a little bit today about living as the new man. Or woman, <laughs> in this case. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Second Corinthians five seventeen should be a familiar scripture to born again Christians. If it's not, make it one and underline it, circle it, meditate on it, because it's important. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The King James says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So this says, The old man has gone and the new one has come. You are a new creation once you do as Jesus told Lazarus, uh, I mean, Nicodemus in John 3, 3, you must be born again, of course. Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe that God raised him from the dead. To the exclusion of all others, make him put all your chips in the, on him. Invest in him for your eternal destination. Amen. But once you are, you have become born again. You are saved and you are a new creation. What the enemy wants to do is remind you of that old man all the time. He'll do it. He'll whisper in your ear. He'll use strangers to do it. He'll use the people that you love the very most to do it. Does that mean they're the devil? Does that mean they're not saved? No. It just means they happen to be in the flesh instead of at, instead of living or walking after the Spirit. You can do it. I can do it. I've, I've, you know, have you ever said a hurtful thing to someone you love? Yes, I have. Yes, we all have. And I know that God loves me and I'm saved and it didn't unsave me because I did it. But at that time, I guarantee you, it was not God working through me. I was creating for the devil. Lord, forgive us when we do that. But we're created beings just like our Father, aren't we? And when we use our words, they're powerful. They're creating for either, they're doing something, releasing power for life or death. God or the devil, sin or righteousness. Amen. But the enemy will always try to convince you, remind you of that old man. And one of the one of the misunderstandings of Christians is that when we're reminded, we get we get enough faith, enough understanding to say, well, I you know, I follow Jesus now. I'm not I've changed. I'm not like that anymore. Okay? And and I, I'm not just trying to split hairs here, but that's not really true. That old man has not... He did not change that old man. That old man died with Jesus on the cross. Now, you're a new creation. All things are new. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, where we get confused as we look in the mirror, we we still see the same body. And then we have some of the same thoughts, and they're not all godly. Because we've got 
our computer up here sits on our shoulders has been programmed for all the years prior to Christ and even continuing on thereafter as long as we don't make the word important to us with wrong stinking thinking. So sometimes if you read this scripture and say, if you, if you, anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in other words, you're, you're now you're, his nature is your nature. So now what it's implying is that now you're godly before you weren't, right? The Bible says you, it doesn't say you acted in darkness. It says you once were darkness. Now you are light. Amen. So, the wrong thing to believe is that, hey, I'm not like that anymore. I've changed. Well, it's better to say that man is dead. And now, the new man, you know, because we're a spirit. John 4.24 explains that God is a spirit. That's what he told the woman at the well, Jesus did. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why we have to find out who we are, not from our emotions, not from our thought life, not from our bodies and our physical desires. We find out who we are by finding out who our spirit man is. Because that's how we relate to God. That's who we really are, is a spirit with a soul in a body. We're always going to be three-part beings. Right now, our spirit has been born again, renewed, regenerated, perfect. And then sealed in that perfection with the promised Holy Spirit. So it's incorruptible. Now the soulish realm, the mind and will and emotions is being renewed according to the word of God, faith to faith, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and practice and use our faith muscles to agree with God about who we really are now instead of the old man or the world. Then we're becoming more and more like him, glory to glory. Grace to grace, faith to faith. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back for most of us. But it is taking place. And so now we're working on the renewal of this soul, you see. That's what the Word does for us. That's what the, the Holy Spirit does for us. That's what the leading and guiding of the Spirit and the Word does for us. The Spirit man is taken care of. Now the soulish man is being trained to agree with him. With him. And when that happens, this body will just follow suit. Once your soul becomes in agreement with your heart, which is, the I mean, with your spirit, you will follow suit. Your flesh will do whatever you tell it to, won't it? It doesn't make you do anything, does it? And if you really reckon yourself dead... As Jesus died, then you can't be offended. You can't be enraged. You can't become jealous. You can't become envious. Because if you're dead laying there on the floor, I could kick you. I could spit on you. I could walk all over you. And you're not going to complain because that body's dead. Amen. All right. But the enemy wants to remind us always. And that's what he'll do, especially when people are doing so well. I had a conversation with a young man yesterday who I talk to often, and he is really a great disciple in the Lord. But he's still fairly young in the Lord. And so family member came to him, and he challenged that person on something. Maybe, uh, you know, some sort of... Uh, wrong behavior or or something and that person does not know the Lord like he does and what if, if you have a, if you have a problem with something and you're not saved and uh, I'm not even going to mention specifics but say, no matter what it is any kind of a sin whether 
sin, whether it's a, 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 a dependency on something or a sexual sin or anger issues or whatever it is. And, you, and I challenge that. I touch that. It's like plucking a nerve, you know. And that that thing, you will try to protect that thing. They will, won't they? They will, they will come at you in rage sometimes. And what it is is that, hey, you can't go there. I'm, I'm protecting that. You're not taking that, and I don't. You're not. It's a it's a uh, toxic subject. And then what they'll do is they'll they turn a table, and you're just a this, and you're that, and they'll call you every name. And that's what this person did to him, and reminded him of every bad thing from his past before he knew the Lord. You're just a convict, a piece of you know what, and this and that. I'm not the one who went to this prison, this and that. You know what I'm saying? That's now, that doesn't mean that this person is the devil. It just means they got an argument. And when you are not familiar with the word of God and you're not familiar with the traps and the tricks of the devil, you'll, let, he'll just let him, you'll just let him speak through you. He'll whisper in your ear and you'll say, yeah, it sounds good. And that sounds like that'll hurt this person. And I'm, I'll just say it. But what that person needs to, what you need to remember, if you're the one being attacked or accused, who is the accuser of the brethren? The devil. God is not doing that. God is not there to remind you of your past. God wants nothing more than for you to forget about the past and 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 focus on the future that He has for you so that you can be blessed, to be a blessing, and to help others. Amen. The kingdom of God is in need of... Of, of laborers, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Amen? That's what Jesus said. And he said, pray and ask the Father to send more workers in, into the field. And it seems like there's a lot of Christians out there, but God is saying there's we need more that really are just putting me first and the kingdom first. Now that you've been invited in and adopted as a child of God, help others to do the same. And to do that, you have to be blessed yourself. You have to be healed everywhere you hurt so you don't hurt others. You have to be empowered by understanding the power and authority that you have in Christ. You have to be loved, and which you're already loved. You have to have a revelation of the love of God for you so that you can share that with others. Out of your overflow... And then you prosper by agreeing with God, walking in His way, sowing good seed in every form, whether it be words, time, money. You get it. You're going to reap a harvest of whatever you sow. We make mistakes. We can believe for crop failure with God because we have Jesus. We have forgiveness. <laughs> Lord, don't let that. Don't let that seed I just sowed. Take root and bear fruit. I repent. <laughs> I'm going to go tell her. I'm going to go tell him. I apologize and I love them. And I'm going to, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you first, Lord, because it's you that I've really sinned against. You know, we can do that. And that, that, that seed just died right there in the ground. And then we just go plant some more good seed. Amen. And then, and then when's that seed going to come? Because, okay, now I apologize and I said something nice. Now I want to harvest from you right now. <laughs> well, hold on a second. I never seen a farmer <laughs> go out. And, you know, we planted cotton a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I can go out there and stomp my feet and demand a harvest right now all I want. But if they if they run that combine out there and they, they, they try to harvest that cotton, they ain't going to get anything. Just some sprouts of green, but no cotton. We're going to get what we sow more than we sow later than we sow. Amen. Amen. And if I sow, like I told y'all, I sowed that $5 for a squirt of air into my wife's tire this morning. Which is high for a little air. But if I sow that seed to him, which I did on purpose... More than he wanted, more than he expected. I did it because I, I wanted to show just to be a blessing. Now, now, do I, in the kingdom of God, the way things work, do I have to wait for that harvest to come from that 
man that owns the tire shop? Or is God going to get it to me however he chooses? I'm going to get it back, but I don't have to look to him and say, hey, I did this for you. No, 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 no. I did that for God. And because I love everyone. And, but I do expect a harvest from that. But I don't. he don't ever have to do a thing for me. Ever. God is going to provide a harvest from somewhere. That's why every day is so exciting. When you sow good seed. And then you begin just expecting from God as you go. When God wants to bless you. He sends a person into your life. Or uses a person that's in your life. That's how he does it. That's why relationships are so important. That's why it's not good for Christians to withdraw and say, I don't have to go to church to be saved. No, you don't. But why? the more important question is, why aren't you going? Why won't you go? I don't have to be baptized to be saved. Well, the thief on the cross wasn't. But Jesus sure did ask for us to do that. Why? Ask yourself, why are you unwilling to do it? You know, there's there's something deeper there. There's more of a there's a more of a spiritual issue than they're willing to admit, right? <laughs> but the the point here is that we are a new creation in Christ, and we just need to learn to walk in the newness of the new man. And just because there was an old man that that was killed and crucified on the cross and raised from the dead with Christ and is now seated in heavenly place. So we don't need to go back and say, well, that's all just semantics. It's really still just you. And yeah, you really were this person. And yeah, maybe you've changed. No, it's really not that way. And, and you don't have to argue this with people who don't aren't saved or don't understand it. But you need to know it. You need to know it. It's imperative that we know it about ourselves. Because it's the enemy trying to convince us that old man is still alive and to take up those old ways. But we know there's no future in the past. We know what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back. We know what Jesus said about those who put their hands to the plow and then looked back. Can you imagine? We don't have to plow the fields like we used to but you had the ox or the horses or the mules in front of you and you're holding on with both hands and walking have you ever walked across a plowed field (laughs) it's like the hardest thing in the world (laughs) it's not like walking across the paved street (laughs) it'll wear you out but anyway you're walking and you're trying but if you're plowing just think about the, the the natural aspect. If you put your hands to the plow and you're plowing, you want what? Nice straight rows, right? If you're looking back, I guarantee you, you're not going to like the end result anyway. So keep that in mind when you start, you know, when God tells you to go to the promised land, just get Egypt off your mind, Okay. There ain't nothing back there. You know, there was nothing ever out there. I remember just thinking, man, it's just just one of these nights, one of these days, because I wasn't just a night uh, partier. I was a 24-7 partier. I might go for two weeks straight. I want to find what it is there's, that I'm missing. I don't want to miss anything. There's something out there I'm missing. You know what I found out? There wasn't anything out there I was missing. My mama used to say, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. And she was right. (laughs) But you know, one time, not long after I was truly born again, You've all heard the story. Tavon and I grew up thinking we were Christians, but we weren't. (laughs) So when we really got born again, this scripture was on my mind. And I was wondering, you know, how it all worked, when it all worked, if it worked for me. Because like I said, you look in the mirror, you see it, look around. All things have not become new immediately. And you still, and it's like, well... 
you know, all the same things all Christians go through. God, you know, maybe for this person, but I was too bad. God doesn't love me like He does them. Or I didn't say the prayer, hold my mouth just right. You know what I mean. And so, you're wondering about some things. Well, I went to the grocery store with my wife after work. We closed up one of our businesses. We went to the grocery store. And... uh, A few days, the day before that, the the day before that, I had called the preacher who had helped us come to the Lord. And he and his wife were working with with me and my wife, and we needed lots of help. They used to say, man, the devil really tried to kill y'all. In other words, we were fighters, otherwise we wouldn't have made it because he... He pulled out all the stops, you know. We opened all the doors, and and what do you expect? He's going to come in, right? So, nevertheless, we were on the right track. We had been saved, and and uh, but there was some flare-ups, and and I called this preacher over, and I said, "Man, I thought you know everything was going to be better now, and and uh, you know it's just not." <laughs> and he goes, "Listen, let me let me tell you." He said, "You know how." Sometimes you might get a skunk under your house. And I'm like, you know, he's sort of a country guy. But, you know, and you don't have to be country or you never had to have a skunk under your house to get the point. There's a smell and it's because a skunk is living under your house. What do you do? You get it out of there, right? And he says, so you go, you get, you kill the skunk or you get it out of there, whatever. It's gone. He said, but that smell... And this, I guess, takes a little experience. He goes, but that smell will come back from time to time. You'll still get a lingering smell that'll pop up from time to time. <laughs> but the skunk is gone. He's dead and gone. And he explained it to me like that. This scripture, this new man, this I, things are new. Things are different now. But it takes some time, you know. And and uh, and so I I thought that was a great. Little story. I, I got a kick out of it, and, and it was a it was a good, just real explanation, and I got it. But I was thinking on these things, you know, how we we talk to God about things, and how we should meditate on scriptures, and think about our salvation, think about our relationship with Him, think about all the things that He wants us to think about. And so the next day, went to the grocery store after work with my wife, and here I am. Thinking on all these things, I'm pushing a grocery cart, right? And we just go, and she's just shopping and whatever, and I'm just following behind her. We get to the back aisle, sort of like where the meat is. I remember it now. It's at Kroger's in Tomball. And the phone rang. And I'm pushing the cart out. I answered the phone, and it was my my stepdad. Mom, he and Mom were both alive at the time. And he's laughing. They don't know anything about what's going on in our life, by the way. They don't know that uh, that we had problems. They don't know that we had been saved, right? <clears throat> and he's chuckling, laughing, and he says, Hey, how you doing? I said, Oh, good. And he says, Well, your mama wants to know how your skunk is doing. <laughs> I said, Excuse me? He said, Yeah, your mama wants to know how your pet skunk is doing. See, last night she had a dream that you were a little boy and you're pushing a grocery cart and you had a skunk in the grocery cart. And I'm standing there with the grocery cart (laughs) and I'm on the phone with him and I'm thinking about this yesterday analogy this preacher had given me about my salvation. And she wants to know what your skunk is doing. And I said... Tell her that skunk is dead and gone. And he goes, Huh? No, you said your mama had a dream. And you, I said, I heard you. And tell her that skunk is dead and gone. In Jesus' name. Uh, okay, I, all right, I'll talk to you later. He, I ruined his joke, you see. But it wasn't his joke. God sent that dream to my mama and God caused that story to be told to me in that way 
And God connected the dots and let me know, yeah, I'm fun. I'm funny. I love you. You're a new, you're a new creation. I got you. And he also let me know some things there that, because we all, you know, what do you hear about everybody in Hollywood? They go to their therapist, their psychiatrist, they get on the couch. It's all about mommy and daddy, childhood, this and that. And there's always deep-seated things, right? So nevertheless, and, and you know, I had a, you know one of them deals where it's, you know, I don't even go into it because everybody's got a story, right? Everybody had hardships. God's, God's, the beauty of God is He got us here. No matter how. I tell people on Father's Day, Mother's Day, go go find them and love them. They made mistakes, so have you. God got you here. This was your opportunity to be saved, to find out about Him before you die. And if you're listening to this message, chances are you did. So go thank them for getting you here. You know, they had struggles and everything. But anyway, he was also sharing with me since it came through Mama and the fact that I was a little boy pushing that grocery cart with the skunk. Something, it tied all the way back to all that. Let all that go. Let it go. It's all healed. It's all forgotten. I've known you since then. You you see what I'm saying? It was beautiful. Story about a skunk from God that blessed my heart. And it changed me. It gave me confidence in God. One of the things, he had to do this a bunch of times in the early part of my salvation, which he was kind enough to do. And he still blesses me. You know, you know when he does? I mean, you know when he does things like that? Here's a tip for you. Because we all want God to talk to us things like that, don't we? Ask him. Ask him to. Because sometimes we get away from those things. Back then I was really seeking him about everything. And he was having fun. Getting to know me. Getting, letting me get to know him. And sometimes we get so busy. And even in church and attendance and studying the word and stuff like that. That we forget to just have fun with God. And just ask him to do things for us. We have not because we ask not. And I've been for some pretty obvious reasons for those of you who know me. I've been seeking Him a lot lately. A lot more than normal. And it's sad that you have to go through great adversity and valleys in your life to, to seek Him more. But I like to think that I praise Him uh, a lot when I, things are good. I do. But for whatever reason, I've been very, very close to Him lately. And I've been asking Him to show me things. Especially... Because I'm a man of faith and I understand some of the way his laws work, his spiritual laws work, and that I've been asking him to show me things about the future. And like he like he's like showing me my my granddaughter as uh, getting married and showing uh, with her children and things like that. It's important that I can see past now. Because I, I see that Jesus endured the cross. Looking, He looked beyond that and He saw the future. And it's because of that He was able to endure the shame and the pain. Because He saw us and it was worth it to Him. You see? And so that's, that's what I'm clinging on to. I remember when Andrew Womack's son, uh, they called in the night and told him his son was dead. And it was over an hour drive, uh, maybe more, to, to town to where he was. The other brother called and said he had died. He was in the morgue with the toe tag. That's how dead he was, okay? In the cooler, covered up with the toe tag, dead, right? So they began to head in, he and Jamie, and they, um, all the emotions and things that you can imagine were trying to come on, get them sad, get them fearful, get them all that. They rejected all that, but it was trying them, right? Andrew was reminded by the Holy Spirit of prophecy that a man, a a preacher in Ireland, had given him some years earlier before he, before, and he didn't know him, didn't know anything about him. He said, You got two boys. And he told him some things about those two boys, about their futures. And Andrew said, That has not 
happened yet. And he began to praise God and he told his wife, do not be afraid. The first report is not going to be the last. God is working in this situation and he will, our son will live and not die. And they praise God all the way to town. Although having been told, he's dead. Now he was dead for five hours in the morgue with the toe tag on in the cooler. And he's alive today. Nothing wrong with it. Amen. This is how faith works. And I've had some things prophesied over me. These hands still have thousands of people to heal. I remember that prophecy being spoken to me because it's one that made an impact when it was when it was done when the when the preacher laid hands on me and went like that and it and he spoke those words over me and I received it as from God as well as some other things last night because I've been asking God about these things I raised a man I raised a man from the dead in my dream last night amen Amen. And I believe I will do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. And, it, and then it tells you why. Because he trusts me. Let's look at that so we can see what exactly how it, Isaiah 26.3 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All I have is one scripture so far, and that was the Holy Spirit took over. Thank you, Lord. That's that's all we ever want. We want Him to have His way. Amen. Amen. Break every yoke. This is the English Standard Version. You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Do you see that? It's all trust related. Keeping our mind stayed on the Lord, on His promises, on the things that He has said about us, will cause us to trust Him. Not only that, but trust, just think about trust as, as a person. Do you just trust everybody you meet? No. We are to try to trust and try to believe, aren't we, as Christians, but, but we're also to be wise you know, and and so we don't trust everybody. We don't trust everybody around our children. We don't trust everybody with our money. We don't trust. And so trust takes time and generally requires a little bit of a track record, doesn't it? With that person or even with a, a company or whatever, you know. Uh, and that's how it is with God. It takes time. You can't really microwave it. And it's a choice. And I would say that's reverse. First, you need to choose. That I, I, I want to I trust you, God. I think that's a great conversation to have with God. I want to trust you completely. And I can tell you that I have, but you know everything about me, Lord. And so, where I'm not trusting you, help me. Show me, first of all, where I'm not trusting you completely. The things that I'm hiding behind my back from you. Like, hey, here, Lord, have everything. Everything I am is yours. I surrender all. And he's like, what's that behind your back? <laughs> you get the point, right? Because yeah. we all have a few of those things in our pockets. <laughs> stuff down in our pants. You know, like the little kid in the candy store. <laughs> it's like, well, what's that? Because I got something better for you if you'll just give it to me. But trust is something we need to talk to the Lord about because it's important because we're all looking for that perfect peace. We really don't want things. We're not really after all the things that we think will make us happy. Trust me, I've had most of them. Anything that you you think would have caused you, bring you the happiness and the joy and the peace, that if it comes from this world, I can almost assuredly tell you that I've been there and had it. And it didn't bring me the peace and the joy that I thought it would. Only God can do that. So we needed to get to a place of total trust and dependency on Him and mean it. 
and he'll tell us when we're really there. And, and well, when we're advancing, how's that? You know, it's like it's like with everything with our salvation. You know, it's he's like when the guys went to the moon the first time. It wasn't a straight shot. They shot them off in that general direction. You got more more technology in your in your cell phone now than they had on the entire planet at the time. <laughs> shot them off in that general direction based on mathematical equations, and they had burners, and they went like this to the moon. Course correction every ten minutes: left, right, left, right, right, left. So it was a zigzag all the way there. That's how our that's how our Christianity is, you know. Course correction every ten minutes for the rest of our life, as long as we stay in tune with Him, and He's good with that. You know, we just have to get moving in that direction. If you have, you can have the a little boat, or you can have the biggest ship in the world. If they're if they're tied up to the dock, you can turn that steering wheel all day long, or that whatever they call it, the wheel, and it's not going to turn that ship. You have to get out in the water, and you have to get moving. But once it's moving, then just just that little wheel can turn the big ship. And God will help you. Just get heading in the direction you think He wants you to go. And then trust Him and stay close to Him. And He'll help you make the course corrections every ten minutes for the rest of your life. Amen. If that's what it takes. Sometimes we're on the right course for a long time. You know, and other times you're making little changes. Some things happen instantly. Others take time. In cooperation with God, and we have to learn and understand His spiritual laws at work and how to cooperate with them. Amen? It's like gravity is the one we use uh, as an example a lot. Gravity is here for our benefit to keep us on this planet. <laughs> but if you step off of a building, it's going to work against you because you, 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 were, you perished for a lack of knowledge, didn't you? <laughs> Unless you did it on purpose, which is, I'm really sad about. Anyone that would think of that. All they need is Jesus too. Amen. But Amos 3.3 tells us. How can two walk together. Unless they be agreed. So we have to learn to agree with God. Through the word. And the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But he will help us. Won't he? Jesus talked about it on that faithful night. John uh, fourteen twenty-seven, no twenty-six. Probably go over to John fourteen. Let's take a look and find out about our help. Because God's saying in Amos three three, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? And I'm I'm saying if that's our walk with Him, He's not talking about Him changing and getting in lockstep with us. He's talking about us doing it with Him. Amen. But He's not going to tell us to do. Anything that He hasn't given us the help that we need. God had a perfect plan for our lives. Jesus made the payment that made it possible. And the Holy Spirit provides the guidance and the power to get it done. Amen? John fourteen twenty six. Jesus was talking to the disciples... And he said, these things, verse 25, I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. And here it is, verse 26. But the Helper, here's the help we're talking about. The Helper, capital H, that's just one of his names. So when you think of the Holy Spirit, you can think of him as my Helper. He is one who comes alongside of you. You see? So this walking together, He comes alongside in agreement to work with you and to help you along your path. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is the Word made flesh. You're holding in your hand, if you have your Bible, you're having, this is Jesus right here. He was the Word made flesh. Now we have him in the pages of this book and he's going to, the Holy Spirit is going to remind us of everything. You ever notice how you're going along and something will come up, some some question or some choice and scripture will come to your mind or something that happened to Jesus or something that Paul said. And that's God. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you of everything that Jesus has said. Amen. 
and He will teach you all things. That's what I was just talking about. When uh, we come to Him, Holy Spirit, help me. Show me areas where I'm trusting You and where I'm not being quite honest with You. And uh, help me on those. And, and He will do it in such a magnificent way. He's so kind and gentle. And he's, His ministry is beautiful. He's not going to do it in a harsh uh, way. You know, sometimes we like to... We like to shove the gospel on people instead of share it. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he, his, his name is not only helper, but it's holy. And so when we come to Him, we need to remember that He is good, He's holy, and He is our helper. John fourteen twenty six, And then 27 is my favorite scripture. Jesus, He was, he was talking about God the Father. He was talking about God, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father was going to send in His place once He left. And then Jesus gave us a gift of His own. A personal thing. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus gave us the peace that He walked in. And to, to know... He said, my peace. He said, peace I give to you. And then he made a point of saying, my peace. So to see what peace he walked in, we just have to examine his life. Disciples freaking out, thinking they're going to die in a storm out in a raging sea. And he's chilling, sleeping. Okay? That kind of peace. The kind of peace that got up and told the uh, the sea to, to, to chill out too. And it did it. The kind of peace that the people wanted to stone him and throw him off a cliff and he just walked through the midst of them and no one touched him. (laughs) Jesus walked in awesome peace and he gave us that as a gift. Now, to keep our minds stayed on him, the Holy Spirit will remind us of all these things and keep us in perfect peace. As we trust in Him, as we keep our minds stayed upon Him, you see, it's just take practice and it's a choice. Amen. Amen. But we do need the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is gone in the flesh, in case you haven't noticed. He did His part. God, like I said, God had the plan. Jesus paid the price. And then he was invited on back home. He had to go and put the blood on the altar in the real tabernacle up there because no person had gone into heaven. It's it's so amazing. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So he's not here. The Holy Spirit, the Helper, has been sent now. So we need to be friends with him and acknowledge him. Amen? But I I was just... I'm trying not to get off on different things, but it's just so amazing. You know, no one had ever... People had died in faith. You read about them in the faith chapter in Hebrews, right? Before Jesus came. So they didn't go to hell. But they didn't go to heaven with God. Not then. They're there now. They went down into the earth, the same place where hell is. Except it was paradise was separated, a great chasm separated paradise from hell, remember? So no one had gone into heaven with the Father until Jesus purified the way. Because the the, the, the tabernacle that Moses uh, was instructed about in the wilderness and, and that uh, they built in Jerusalem and that uh, Solomon ended up building it Again, you know, the that's just a replica of the real one in heaven. And the altar in heaven, Jesus went and he said, Don't touch me yet. Remember what he told Mary? I haven't gone to my father yet. He went up there and he put his blood on the altar. And now he's made the way for us. Amen. But we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to touch on one other thing because, God bless you, I don't want to take too much of our time today. I think the Holy Spirit's really already helping us with some 
some things, kind of seeing ourselves, the new man, and learning how to how to live in it, walk in it, without being so confused. Now, it is important. You ever met somebody who just wouldn't take responsibility for their own life? And have you ever seen a person like that that prospered in their life, in their relationships, in their finances, anything? No, this is a person who's a victim. They're always a victim. They never take the blame. They're always a victim. They're always complaining. They're always angry. We are responsible for our words and our thoughts. And it's important that we understand that. People say, I can't help what I think. You ever heard somebody say that? I can't help who I love. I can't help who I think. I can't help if I don't like them. They say things like that. It's a very immature thing to say. And for a Christian to say that, it's just wrong. Because we can't. Because we have, we, we are not, we do not have Satan's nature in us anymore. There's nothing compelling us to do wrong. We just have a free will that said we can if we want to. <laughs> With the best of them. <laughs> but we don't have to. We're free. And, and that means we're free from bondage to sin so that we have the ability to do what God shows us is best for our lives. Amen? But Luke 6.45 Luke 6.45 The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart what happens? The mouth speaks. All sin, James say, comes with a thought. It starts with a thought. That's why old Daddy Hagen, they called him Kenneth Hagen. He said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest on your head. He's talking about our thought life. Thoughts will come and go, but we're supposed to bring them all into subjection to the obedience of Christ. If it's not of God, run it off. Don't think on it. Don't dwell on it. That's why all the old folks used to say, an idle mind's a devil's workshop. They're right. Unless you're thinking on the Lord, keep your mind stayed on the Lord, then you'll keep you in perfect peace. Amen? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you need. So we're going to find out what's really... What people really thinking, what they really on their mind. That's why when, <laughs> that's why it was so scary sometimes back in the old days when you were sitting in the bar. You know, some people just couldn't drink. You know, it's not good for anybody. But you ever known that person that they should just never have a drink because it just uh, uh, add alcohol, engage mouth, right? <laughs> and man, you were going to find out some things that you might probably didn't want to hear about. It's like, golly, I had no idea you thought that about me. <laughs> but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Proverbs twenty three seven says, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." So it's our meditations. Our, that's why it's so important about Isaiah twenty six three. Whose mind is stayed on me, I'll keep in perfect peace. Because if we keep our mind on the world, we're going to get off track. So Proverbs twenty three seven is talking about don't eat a don't eat a greedy person's food because he, he's always counting the cost and so forth. But so he's talking about a particular type of person. But really, the principle is there. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So that's that's who you really are. That's what will motivate you. And that's what God is looking at. We're looking on the outer appearance. Sometimes the outer words. Sometimes the outer flesh. But God, doesn't, He's not impressed with any of that. He's looking in here and He sees the meditations of our heart. And that's who we are to Him. You know, that's... That's 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 what will compel us, and that's what's driving us, and that's what he's trying to work on. That's in the soulish realm, the part of our heart that's connected to our soul, that's coming from our our born again spirit, is what he's trying to get the overflow into our soul, so that we agree with him. Like Amos three three says, so we can walk together and talk together and be friends together. I love that song uh, in the garden, you know, and. Uh, and that's, I always tell people, I learned more in my garden. I haven't grown a vegetable garden in a few years, but I used to have a very big one. 
And I, I tell people I learn as much in my garden about the kingdom of God as I did in the Bible. Um, because that's where I would meet with God and talk to Him and He would teach me about sowing and reaping and how everything in the kingdom is in seed form and, and how you have to tend to that garden. And our heart is our garden, you know, our spiritual garden. And whatever we plant in that garden, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow up and we're going to get a harvest. If you plant tomato seeds, you're going to get tomatoes. If you plant cucumbers, you'll get cucumbers. If we plant bitterness and hatred and strife, we're going to reap a harvest of those. If we plant love and, and all the good things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, then we'll reap a harvest of those things as well. Amen? So that's where we want to be. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And so that's what he's saying. Whatever you're sowing, you, you, you've got a habit of running your mouth in a way you shouldn't. It's, it's sad. That's what I've, I've been helping someone else with something that, that they have a neighbor that is, is really just turned against them because this neighbor wanted, a, wanted something, a piece of property that this other person bought. But the neighbor had the first option at the property. And rejected it, rejected the prize, wanted them to get it for free, basically. And then it was offered to this other person and they bought it. And then now this person hates the one who bought it. And anyway, it's just a lot. And they're doing now, they, this person is so full of bitterness and anger, it's causing them to act and do stupid things. And, they're, and I said, just stay in character, stay in God's character. Do not return evil for evil. It's sad you need to pray for them because they're going to reap a harvest of all this ugly and you don't want that for them. You want God to get a hold of them and you definitely don't want the enemy to trick you into joining in to that fight. And so we need to always remember those things. We're called to live a life of faith, not sight. If, if, we, keep, if we say what we see, we'll have what we say. We need to say what God says. Amen. By Jesus' stripes I was healed. If I was healed, I remain healed. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He did it for one, He'll do it for me. Amen. <laughs> it's His desire that I be in good health and prosper, even as my soul prospers. That's why you see the correlation between our soulish realm, our mind, our will, and emotions, and the natural. It's... Beloved, I, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. They're connected. We need to keep our minds stayed on the Lord. Trust in God because He loves us. I think I'm going to stop. There's a lot of things I want to... This could just go on forever. Because it all connects, you know. The whole kingdom of God is like a big circle, like I say in my book. Because it's never ending, you know. Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, they don't, the one doesn't stop and the other start, you know. And same with the Word of God. It's all, like in Revelation where he tells them, eat the whole scroll. In other words, you need to eat the whole book. You know, you ever had somebody misquote the Bible? They'll take a scripture from the Old Testament or something. To run down Christians usually. Well, God did this, or He killed this, and this, and they don't understand. You got to eat the whole scroll. There's a, there's a, there's a big difference. That blank page between the the old covenant and the new, the Old Testament and the new is is a very important. There's a reason for that. <laughs> Things have changed because of Jesus. But I want to tell you this. I'll just touch on this before we go because. Look over in, in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Because even though we're talking about the newness of the, the new man and, and how the enemy reminds us of the old man and tries to get us to act out in the old ways and and we're trying to learn to trust in God and keep our minds stayed on God so that we can 
walk in perfect peace as Jesus did. And that was his gift to us, which he promised he wouldn't take from us. And then our words and our thought life, and we need to take responsibility. So all these seem like a lot of instructions, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if we're not careful and we're not exactly walking in accordance with it, it can feel low condemning or overwhelming. No, this is just stuff God's telling us about himself and how to, how, the sort of how-tos because he loves us so much, you know? But I want to tell you this. Remember what I told you before? It sometimes seemed like three steps forward, two steps back. Sometimes it seemed like one step forward and five steps back. And that's, God loves you. God loves you anyway. He will not change his mind about you. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. brethren, Not God. He already knew everything about you. The whole history of you, the world has already played out in God's mind. Time is something God created. He's not in it. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heavens, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. Time, space, and matter. Everything these scientists use for physics to understand all this. The reason they don't understand God is because they're trying to put Him in that He created all that in the first ten words of the Bible. Time, space, and matter. But God loves you no matter what. Romans 8, 38, and 39. Let me back up to verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to rely upon that word right there. No matter what kind of mistakes you make, God loves you. And he's waiting right there. You remember the prodigal son, his daddy? That prodigal son might as well told his dad, I wish you'd drop dead because he wasn't supposed to get his inheritance in that culture until the father passes away, of course. He asked for it when he was a young man. So his father split it up and gave him his half, his portion. He went off and spent it all in prodigal living and terrible life got hungry and decided to come home and just ask if he could just have a job basically instead of being a son again he knew he wasn't entitled to anything but he had this whole story worked up and he didn't even have to share that the father was looking he must have been watching for that son this is a picture of our father in heaven and us he must have been watching for him and waiting for him because it says he saw him a long way off And he ran to him. And he threw himself on his neck. He hugged him and embraced him and had them bring him shoes for his feet, the signet ring of authority for his hands, and the robe of righteousness. And they killed the fattened calf. He loved him anyway. And our Father loves us anyway. It's good that we practice these things and get better at them and learn to trust God and just focus on His track record in our lives and how faithful and good He is so that we can trust Him and will trust Him more. But just remember, when you stumble, He doesn't think any less of you. He knows who you are. He knows what you've done and He loves you anyway. He's there to help you through it. To help you overcome. Amen. Father we thank you for loving us so much. Holy Spirit I thank you that you. Answered. My prayer in the beginning. And that you had your way in this. This day and this message. To your children. I know that you're speaking to every one of us here. Including me. And everyone who will ever hear this message in the future. And I just thank you Lord for your. Your power, your anointing, it breaks every yoke. 
I thank you for freeing people from the bondage that they're in to sin and to sickness and to poverty and strife and anything else that is troubling them. Lord, depression, we just call it out right now. Everything that I've mentioned, we just cancel it all out. Every assignment of the devil against every child of yours who hears this message, Father. We just command every foul, unclean spirit to loose them in the name of Jesus. Set them free. And we just thank you, Lord, that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free to serve you. Free to love you. Free to know you. We thank you for the eternal life that we have knowing you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And we thank you now, Holy Spirit, that we have you. And that your name is Helper. Help us to remember that. That you are the one who comes alongside us and helps us. And the one who will never leave us or forsake us. And is here to remind us of all the things that Jesus has said. And to teach us all things. Help us not forget to ask you. And to thank you. And to know that you are holy and good. And that you love us. In Jesus name. Amen.